0: The Word of the Lord. Now, who is there to harm you? If you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you who has gone into heaven is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. Let's pray. Savior, would You not pass us by. We ask as we come to Your Word, and we ask uh, knowing that You will keep Your promise to be present with us as we gather around the gift of your word. Father, would you help us now as, as we come to a passage um, that, that's difficult and, and in some ways very confusing. But contains a vital message for us. Would you help us? Would you give us clarity? Would you give us openness and humility? And may your spirit powerfully work to transform us as we hear from you this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our dishwasher broke recently, uh, which is the centerpiece of a horror film for me. Um, and and as, a, as a result of this problem, my wife and I got into a little, let's call it a debate, uh, a little debate about what was wrong and how it could be fixed. And Jess thought it was something simple, just an outlet that needed to be reset. And I thought it was something major, like we needed to call in the Army Corps of Dishwasher Engineers, you know, which is an unknown part of our armed services but it's there <laughs> so and, and in the end it turned out that she was right for the first time ever <laughs> that's not true yeah. she was right and, and those of you who know Jess she's, she's gracious and she would never say I told you so but I know that had to feel good <laughs> and I know that because we love to be proven right don't we We love to be vindicated. We long to be vindicated, to be shown that we are in the right. And I would say that actually we can't even carry out our lives without some sense of approval. Not that we are perfect, but at the, in the end, we are on the right side of something. That's why being a sports fan of a particular sports team can be such an intense experience. That's why people will spend days and years arguing about whether the, the lightsabers in the new Star Wars trailer are appropriate to the story in the world or not. We love to be proven right. We longed, we long to be vindicated. And that might seem to be an odd topic for a Sunday morning. It might seem maybe a little impolite, a little inappropriate for us as Christians who are supposed to be humble and not care about such trivial things. But the Bible cares about it. The Bible cares about vindication. Peter cares, as we will see in this passage, about vindication. Central to the story of Scripture and the message of this letter is that God's people will be shown to be in the right. Vindicated. Approved. So, let's look at this text together. Let's consider this passage, and I want to ask a couple of questions. If we are Christians, how are we vindicated? And how should we live because of our vindication? Okay, first of all, how are we vindicated? The problem with answering that question is that we have to try to answer it with a group of verses that are some of the most confusing, obscure, difficult verses in all of the New Testament. Peter says in verses 19 and 20 that Jesus went and talked to spirits in prison, somehow connected to Noah and the flood story of Genesis. What's up with that? <laughs> what, 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 is, what does that mean? This is a, a very, very difficult, challenging uh, text. In, in, in fact, one commentator said that there are 108 possible combinations of translation and interpretive choices even in this little text. 108. 108 which makes me wonder about his social life, that he had time to count those (laughs) up. But still, difficult, confusing text. What's going on here? Well, I'm going to take 108 and reduce it to three. I think as, as people stretching back to the earliest church have wrestled with this text, I think there are three basic options for what it's saying. First option, Jesus spoke through Noah in the past. So as Noah was confronting sin, confronting his generation, he was representing Christ. Christ was speaking through him. All right, that's option 1. Option 2. Jesus somewhere between his death and resurrection traveled some to some spiritual plane and commuted and communicated to the spirits of dead people. Maybe those who had Experienced the flood, and he kind of said, "I told you so," or, or maybe to to people in the Old Testament who he says you're you're going to be saved because of what I'm doing. But somehow he he communicated in that time between his death and resurrection. Option two, option three. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, proclaimed victory, not over the spirits of dead people, but over spiritual powers, spiritual powers, beings, which would have been behind the human rebellion in Noah's day and the human rebellion in Jesus's day. It's actually a similar message uh, to what Paul says in both Ephesians and Colossians, Colossians we studied last year, uh, when he talks about how Jesus in his death and resurrection, he, he, he kind of trash talked these demonic powers in opposition to God and his will. All right, Those are our three options. Which is it? I don't know. I don't know. And, and no less a theologian than Martin Luther came to the end of an extensive study of all of these options and all of the possibilities, and he came to the end and said, I don't know. He said it in German, but it's the same. Thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think one and, two are, or one and three are better than two and I lean towards three, all right? If you want to know my personal opinion. If you want to know more about these debates and what people say, there are books and books and books, and and I can make a few recommendations. You can come and talk to me. But, what do we do? In, In the middle of all of that confusion about what is going on here with Jesus talking to spirits, we still have this question. How are we vindicated? How are our lives... Approved. And we have to answer that question with this text. How are we vindicated? Well, even though we might not understand all of the details of what this is saying, we can connect some dots. Peter here, he brings this up in order to connect Jesus to Noah to us. Right? That's the basic flow here. And the line is this. Noah's floating. Is Jesus walking out of the tomb and ascending to heaven? Is us getting wet in baptism? Now, what's the link? What is the connection between those dots? Well, they're all stories of vindication. They are all events of God vindicating people as his own. And so as Noah and his family floated on the waters of God's judgment, God is saying, those people, they're mine. They belong to me. And so they will get life instead of death. Jesus, as he walks out of the tomb as He ascends to sit and stand at the right side of the throne of heaven, that is God saying, He's mine. He is my chosen one. And so death will not hold Him. And in baptism, that message comes to us is God saying, they're mine. They're vindicated. They belong to me. They are in the boat. They will not be overwhelmed by the waters of judgment. They will float and have life instead of death. Now why can that message be about us? Why can God say that about us? Verse 18. Christ suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. In order to bring us to God. You see, baptism doesn't magically change us. Baptism is the mark Of what Jesus has done for us. It is the mark that we are vindicated. That we belong to God. That we have life instead of death. Not because of what we do. But because of what He has done. Through Jesus... God says of us, You are mine. You're in my boat. You will float and have life instead of death. So, where do you look for approval? Where do you look for validation? How do you measure? the rightness of your life. There are so many options available to us. Most of us start life looking to our parents or looking to our family for that. And from there, the options just multiply. Achievement in school, sports, the arts, religion, church, Work, vocation, choices about what our lifestyle will be, what we will eat and what we won't eat, what bands we'll listen to and won't listen to, uh, what we'll drink and won't drink, where we live and where we don't live. Political positions, social causes, theological distinctives. Parenting choices. All opportunities for us to say, my life is right because I've done this, because I've chosen this, because this is what I'm about. There's there's an app for your mobile device called Ripple, R-I-P-I-L, or clever spelling there, Ripple, and it is an app designed to help you measure and keep track of your acts of kindness. So you can do something nice for somebody and then you can take out your phone and you can go in and punch it in and it will increase your score. And you can connect to your social network through this app and compete with your friends in your acts of kindness. What is that? We're trying to measure the rightness of our lives. We're looking for vindication. We're looking for something to validate. My life is good and meaningful. All of those options will fail you. All of those options will fail you. They will either delude you with false success leading to arrogance, Or they will overwhelm you with a sense of failure leading to anxiety. All of those options will fail you because it's never enough. What we do, what other people say about us, it is never enough to feed the hunger for vindication, the hunger for validation. It's never enough. it is the only it is only the voice of god that can speak to that hunger it is only the favorable look of god through jesus that can meet your need for vindication and that's what he's done that's what he has done Jesus. He has said about you, you are mine. You're in my boat. So, learn to listen to that voice. Learn to listen to that voice and let it drown out all the lies of those other measurements those other standards of approval. Hear God's approving voice in the cross, in the empty tomb. As Jesus stands now at the throne of heaven, hear God's approving voice. And learn to float. Learn to float on the validating work of Jesus for you. Now, Listening and floating are not passivity. Just because our lives are validated by Jesus and the work that He has done for us, that does not mean we quit on life. That doesn't mean we quit being a parent, being a student, being an employee, uh, uh, being a, a a, a son or a daughter or any of the other roles in life. This does not mean we quit. In fact... Just the opposite. And so let's ask a second question. We've talked about how we are vindicated. Now, how do we live because of that vindication? And not surprisingly, a Peter returns, repeats, and reinforces the call that we've heard from him over the past several weeks. Remember what he said to us? He said, Do good serve. Don't withdraw from your hostile culture. Step in seeking the benefit of others. Even when they attack you, even when they reject you, even when they unjustly criticize you, step in seeking the good of others. And he adds to that words. He adds to actions words. He says... Don't only let your life speak of Jesus, but also be prepared to speak of Jesus. Be prepared to talk about the hope that you have. Be prepared to speak about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Now, this does not mean that you need to be able to win a debate with Neil deGrasse Tyson or Richard Dawkins or any of the other public opponents of the Christian faith. This means you need to be able to experientially talk about why you have hope. You need to be able to talk about what Jesus has done for you and to do it in a way, listen angry evangelicals, to do it in a way that is gentle and that is respectful. In a way that honors the dignity of your questioners in a way that does not express disdain even when you are disdained in return. That is the life we are to live. But how do we do that? How do we live? How do we talk like that? How do we live a life and speak words that humbly communicate the message of the gospel? How do we do that? Well, I think there's a key phrase here in this text, and it's repeated twice, and it's the phrase, good conscience. You'll be able to live that way with a good conscience. So, how do you speak Respectful, gentle, how do you not return reviling with reviling? How do you zealously pursue the good of those around you, even if they are seeking your harm? How do you do that? Verse 16, having a good conscience. Which is to say, having a core confidence that you are in the right. That you are vindicated. Having a a secure sense that you're approved. And how do you get that? How do you get that good conscience that enables us to live this way? Well, you you lead a a clean life full of integrity. Right? Wrong. (laughs) No. Verse 21... How do you get a good conscience? Baptism is an appeal for what? For a good conscience. And what's the basis of the appeal? Here, Father, are my good decisions. Here's my clean living. What is the basis for the appeal for a good conscience? Through the resurrection of Jesus. You have a good conscience, not because you do right, but because Jesus has done right for you. And because God speaks righteousness over your life, a verdict that he will confirm in the end. So, we should live like boxers. Not real boxers, but movie boxers. You know those movies, you get to the end, it's the, it's the climactic fight, and, you, and you're in the middle of the fight, and, and what's happening? Well, it seems like all is lost. Our hero is getting completely beat down. But in that moment, what does that boxer, what does that actor know? He knows the script has been written. And it's a story of victory, not, not of loss. That's what it's like to live with a good conscience. It is the core confidence that the script has been written. And it is the story of our vindication. It is a story of victory, not of loss. It is to live with that sure sense of approval And that confidence doesn't become arrogance. Why? Because we don't win the vindication. We don't win the vindication with our effectiveness as spiritual people. We don't win the vindication. Jesus won it for us. So we can live confident that the script has been written even when it looks like we have lost even when it feels like we are being completely beaten down we live confidently losing because the script is written and it's a story about victory it's a story about vindication so We've walked in a circle this morning. All right, we started with our vindication in Jesus. And now we have circled right back around to our vindication in Jesus. And that's how you need to live. You need to live walking circles. Starting out knowing that in Christ you're approved. And then stepping out into this call to to zealously, passionately pursue what is good. To humbly and confidently communicate the Gospel with your life and with your words. And then when you get beat down, when it all feels like loss, you have to circle back around to the empty tomb, to Jesus on the throne in heaven, and to the echoing voice of God saying, You are mine. You're in my boat. Let's pray.